a good day to you. You're listening to Jenny Knipp for Author. You may be relaxing with a cup of tea or coffee, traveling, crafting, working, or exercising. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time with me. Thanks so much for joining me on Jenny Knifer Author Podcast. Um, I can't believe it's the middle of September, or a little past the middle of September. And um, my my next book, Under the Weeping Willow, uh, which is the second book in my Sheltering Trees series, will be coming out at uh, the end of October and the 21st. And I'm really excited about this book. I think um, this is my favorite book that I've written and for a couple of reasons, you know, it's set in uh, the area where I live. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and it deals with very familiar topics to me, like um, Alzheimer's and depression. So I feel like I could really give it that personal flavor that, that sometimes books kind of lack, you know, they're more maybe romance or a little fluff or whatever. They, you know, they're lighter reads. Um, this book isn't exactly a lighter read, but I think it deals with topics that a lot of people can relate to. And my hope in writing it is that it may encourage the reader. So that's kind of my hope in writing most of my books. I that's Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be writing. I mean, it's fun to write, but it's a lot of work, uh, you know, especially the marketing aspect. So I do have a little bit more of a purpose behind why I am doing this in the first place. Today, I'd really like to read um, the, try to get through the first chapter for you. I I um, have a difficulty with my voice and it seems to be getting a little worse. So I often um, feel like I'm being choked when I talk too long. So, or my throat gets really dry, but I'm going to give it a gallant go here. So um, this is chapter one of Under the Weeping Willow. Um, I should mention that this book is primarily about a mother and a daughter. Um, kind of what has the secret that's kept them kind of apart or kind of contributed to their rocky relationship over the years. And it's in a split timeline. So um, I tell Enid's part of the story in the 1980s and I tell and I tell Robin's part of the story, who's the, who's the mother in around the 1918 um, decade. Uh, okay, chapter one, Enid. June 1983. I rub my hand over my mother's words. My throat clenches and I hiccup, forcing back a sob. A tear lands on the lined page of the diary with a splat. The word willow starts to bleed with the moisture. I read through the entry once more. April 10th, 1977. Dear Diary, I put the silverware in the bread box today. I don't know why. I went to pull a loaf of bread out of the red tin box to make a sandwich, and instead I pulled out a fork. I haven't found the bread yet. Yesterday, I couldn't recall my phone number, and when asked to give it over the phone to the clinic scheduler, nothing appeared in my mind when I tried to imagine it. I could pull no number out of my magical memory hat. I had to read the number off the label under the receiver cradle. 
After about an hour, the number suddenly came to me like I'd been hit with it. Did my memory go on vacation for an hour? I've been noticing these strange things recently. It frightens me. It's as if someone else has done those things. I don't remember moving the bread at all. I try, but only a black hole appears in my mind when I do. The emptiness slowly sucks at me, like a vacuum. One day I fear there may be nothing left to remember. Maybe I'm going crazy, but I swore I'd never go there again. I see the edge of the pond and feel the dangling willow branches tangle in my hair as if it were yesterday. The water pulls at me like Velcro, clinging, drawing me in. Why can I remember that from so many years ago and not where I put the bread today? I know one thing. They will not put me in an asylum for the mentally deranged. Not again. I lift my eyes from the diary and look out the window in the sitting room. The willow tree still stands watching over the pond, despite having battled several storms and suffering lost limbs. I wild away many a summer day under its canopy of hanging branches. Mom didn't like me playing by the willow, and she hated the pond. She was always after Uncle Hal to drain it, and I never knew why. The ink smudges as I wipe as I swipe at the damp spot on the page of Mom's diary, and I try to comprehend the words. Crazy? Asylum? What could she possibly mean? I swallow the lump in my throat and try not to be overburdened by guilt. This was Mom's first full week in the Dunn County Nursing Health Care Center, a glorified name for a nursing home. I hate that I had to admit her, but she'll be safe. They won't treat her like a crazy person, will they? No, dementia's different. Well, Alzheimer's, the doctor called it. The staff are professionals, and they can care for her better. I groan and swipe at my eyes. I can tell myself any number of things to justify my mother being tucked away like an old rag doll. But at the bottom of the justification lies the fact that I am the one who brought her there. I sigh and close the diary, placing it back by her wing-back recliner. We can't have a repeat of this last winter. The neighbor caught her bewildered and walking down the road in the middle of January with no coat on. She could have died. Eenie, where are you? In here, I shout at my husband Clive. I hear his footsteps and in a second he rounds the corner of the old farmhouse kitchen and stands in the large opening of the sitting room. I sit up straighter in Mom's gold velvet upholstered recliner. Too bad there wasn't room for her chair at the nursing home. I thought I'd stop by and see if you'd need some help. His solid brown eyes hold sympathy. He leans against the trim. He leans against the wood trim, accenting the doorway. His slouchy shirt and Levi's give him a relaxed appearance. A smile warms his face. He knows how hard it's been for me, moving Mom. I smile the best I can in return, studying his familiar, unconventionally handsome face. Clive's eyes are evenly spaced under contained brows of the same shade, but his face is rather full. I suppose some would call him pudgy, but I like that he's not skin and bones. He's stocky and thick, reliable. No, no, just collecting a few trinkets to add to Mom's room to make it feel homey is all. I hide the journal in the cleft of the chair cushion. I don't want Clive to... I don't want to talk to Clive about what I have found, not yet anyway. I shouldn't even be reading her private diaries, but I can't help it. I would have found and read them one day after she passed, but why is now so different? She's as good as gone. Her memories have flown away, and isn't that all we are, memories? All right, then. 
He steps closer and leans down, kissing me on the cheek. The stubble shading his jawline scratches me. Hey, his eyes sparkle at me. He hovers inches from my face. How about we hit the A&W tonight in Menominee? We could take our food to the park and eat, just you and me. He kisses the tip of my nose. <coughs> Excuse me. I push my brown owl-like glasses further up my nose and gently push him back as I stand. Weren't the kids supposed to come over tonight? Nah. Kelly called the shop and canceled, said the twins were sick. Sick? Well, why didn't he call me? I wonder what has my 13-year-old twin grandchildren, Penny and Pamela, under the weather. Clive stands up straight and digs in the pocket of his jeans. Well, you were here, Enid. The phone's been shut off, remember? I sigh. Oh, right. He dangles a set of keys at me. Take the truck. I'll grab your car and do an oil change, an oil change today before I come home. Then we'll get some food. I take the keys. It's a date. Clive kisses me again and starts to head out. Keys in the book? Yep. See you later. He whistles as he leaves. I hear the screen door slam and soon the car starts. The Skylark has a whine, which has been getting noticeably louder the past few days. Whatever it is, Clive will fix it. It's his job. He worked at his dad's garage before he set up his own shortly after we married in 1945. He didn't fight in the war due to the hearing loss in his right ear. I watch out the window as he leaves. I can hardly believe we are in our sixth decade. It seems like yesterday we were kids, but now we have grandkids. Where does the time go? I head back to mom's chair and dig out the diary. I replace it next to the stack of others in her roll-top desk. I'll save them for another time. I've read all I can handle at the moment. I grab the tote of newspaper-wrapped knickknacks and head out, locking the door behind me. An idea settles in my brain as I hop into Clive's back black 67 Dodge with red and white pinstripes along the side. The engine rattles in a good way as it comes to life. On Monday, I'm going to head to the library and look up where there would have been a sanatorium or mental hospital around here. I don't remember one. I certainly don't remember mom being in one, so it had to be before I was born or when I was too young to remember. Places like that must keep records. I expect my heart to lighten with a goal in mind, but the ache in my chest is as heavy and cloudy as the dust trail from the gravel driveway that I'm kicking up behind the Dodge. I cough and roll up the windows and turn onto County Highway E to head into town. Well, that is the first chapter, and I just thank you so much for listening. Um, So this story is told uh, in first person and third person. Enid's portion of the story is in first person to kind of give you a little bit more, I think, intimate feel to the book. And um, the third person portion is um, Robin's. And it just seemed to mesh really well with this story. And so far, readers have really loved it and gotten nothing but five-star reviews. And I'm just, I'm just happy with it. I'm, I'm happy with this story. I, um, you know, I just have related to the characters so much. They felt so alive when I was reading it. It was, uh, it was really fun to write. I had a bit of a challenge about how to set up the book, and then it came to me, you know, to really do how to, I guess, how to tell both of their stories. Um, and I was a little worried about the time span between those um, stories, but but I think it works out. It works out really well. 
And each of, each of the books in this series is a little bit different, but the one factor that they all have in common is that um, their diary <coughs> journals or entries at kind of the core of the story. And it's um, how the characters kind of deal or manage with their feelings or um, and how they get through, you know, the trials that they are enduring and or in this case, Enid is reading, you know, through Robin's, her mother's journals. Um, so it's kind of a, kind of that second person feel, but it still works the same way. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about the other books in this series. In a Grove of Maples uh, is the first book, and that is inspired uh, by my grandparents who moved to Wisconsin in the late 1890s and and bought a little farm with a a log cabin and a little log barn and and they made that into the farm that I grew up in and remember today. It's kind of a it's a love story but they're they're already married they've moved there but it's a story about early marriage and what keeps you apart and what brings you together and I think <clears throat> excuse me a lot of people have really recognize that in their own stories you know uh, Edward and Beryl's trials and um, circumstances that way so then uh, the second book is under the weeping willow as I've said and then the book after that um, is called on Burr Oak Ridge and that one is set on the farm uh, my husband and I live on so this farm was established <clears throat> in the 1880s a lot of it had a lot of acreage um, which has all been kind of lauded off now, except for the 13 acres that we still own. <coughs> and I've always, I like the idea of the old farm and how it was set up. I saw pictures and heard stories. And so I kind of went from that. And um, and the the trees that grow at the kind of the top of our hill or the ridge are bur oaks. So it really made sense to, you know, title the book on bur oak, oak ridge. But in this story, um, it's about, I suppose this is a little bit more of a romance too, but it's also about how the main character, one of the main characters, Molly Lund, um, deals with, she's kind of dealt with some of the past hurt in, in her life, but currently she's struggling with figuring out where she's going next. And still some of the things come up. She she lost um, a son. She had been badly burnt in an accident, so she bears some physical scars, but also those inward scars too. But she comes to relate to a person that um, her friends, Mabel and Lincoln, who she is living on the farm with here, um, he, they hire uh, a friend of Lincoln's. His name is Samuel. And um, Samuel and Molly become begin to be drawn towards each other. I think they recognize that kind of mutual hurt that has been in their past. And it's, it's something that has um, kind of uniting them in friendship. But that friendship, of course, um, um, naturally wants to lead to something else. And there are a couple impediments to that. So this is a little bit of a, a book about, you know, touching on some subjects that are uh, sometimes, well, touchy. So, uh, I think I hope that readers um, can see the story in this and can see how the characters are overcoming what they've gone through, but yet trusting in God's direction for their lives. The next, the next and last book 
uh, in the series is called By Broken Birch Bay. This one is a strange sort of mystery. I always wanted to write a mystery, but this didn't turn out like your normal Agatha Christie mystery. It's totally different. So how I wrote it was I kept the person who, well, the murderer, I suppose I could call them, um, I kept that person ambiguous as I wrote the story. So again, this story features diary entries. So I start with a prison diary entry and I, you know, I took out the pronouns. I took out, you know, no he's and she's and um, I kept it kind of ambiguous in a way that anybody could be writing it. Um, Anybody, any of the characters in the story. And then each chapter has a section of that and then a section of um, the narrative. And little by little, you're kind of, um, you know, told about or shown the characters and what's going on with them. And there's things that come and go and you wonder, oh, could it be this person or could it be that person? Um, So the main characters in this book are uh, the two sisters Petra uh, Livingston and her sister, Honey. They're kind of different, you know, very different in appearance and and quite different in personality too, but yet um, they're both, you know, share those similar family family qualities and values. But um, Petra has come from a unique, kind of unique situation. She was, uh, you know, had been with a man she thought she would marry and that didn't work out and they have a son together and she came back home and she feels kind of judged by everybody there even including her parents and and honey is a few years younger than her and now she is she's found um, someone in Broken Birch Bay who she's engaged to but yet their relationship is a little bit odd so Petra has some reservations about her sister being with this man and Petra's kind of like, you know, vowed off any more relationships. She's kind of been so hurt in the past, she doesn't even want to consider it. But someone in the town um, is just kind of, he's attracted to her and he won't let her go. Like he keeps pestering her, but not in a, you know, terrible way, uh, in a cute way, I suppose I should say. And in this book, I actually use how my mom and dad met. So I use the story that my mom told me about how they met. So it was fun, fun to use that in here. And uh, so Petra uh, and Don um, began a begin a relationship, and you wonder kind of where that's going, and what will eventually happen. And in the meantime, there's this relationship with her sister Honey and um, her fiance Jeb. And that has a lot of ups and downs. So you're kind of wondering, are they ever, are they really going to get married or are they going to break up or what exactly is going to happen? And yet in the background, there's this mysterious aspect of who is, who has done this killing and where is this going to come in and how is this going to fit? And, and it wasn't until that chapter at the end of the book that I knew who it was. So um, all the readers that have read it so far my early readers have been surprised who who the who actually did the deed so um i hope that you know most of the readers who who get the who read the book um eventually when it comes out next year will find that to be the case too and it'll be a be a nice twist it'll be a good surprise although this is a mystery and it does deal with a death it is still very much a faith-based book and 
it's um, not a malicious murder, but more of a, um, a self-defense, I suppose, or accidental. Anyway, so thanks so much for listening um, to the excerpt of Under the Weeping Willow. And um, we talk about the other books in the series. And if you'd like to connect with me further you know, on social media or whatever, you can find all of those um, ways to connect with me on my website. Probably the best way is my Facebook group, Journeying with Jenny. Um, share a lot of things there, a lot of free things that you can access, and just a lot of fun posts too. I have other people helping me out too, and I think we, we all have a good good time there and get to know each other. So thank you again for listening, and I uh, just hope that um, you'll, you'll be able to, if you haven't already, that you'll be able to um, pick up um, one of my books. And if you do, and please leave a review. Um, it's really hard sometimes as an author to, to get reviews. You know, people, people read, but it's, I don't know, maybe they don't feel comfortable leaving a review or don't want to, or I don't know. But uh, I try to, whenever I read a book, I realize now as an author how important that is. So whenever I read a book, I, I always leave a review. Thanks so much again for joining me and uh, you have a great day. signing off at Jenny Kniff for Author Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope something I've said has resonated with you and encouraged or blessed you on your particular path. Remember, despite your circumstances, you can choose to make it a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.